Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to today's Irish Tech News Podcast. On today's podcast, I'm talking with Guy Mahan of Innovation and also of Maeve Colwyn from TU Go Dublin. So how's it going, Gary and Maeve? Thanks, Roman, for talking to us today. No problem. So, what's up with you, Gary? Tell us a bit about your background. Well, my background is software development. Um, Obviously, I'm of an age, so we're going back to the 80s here. But um, my my background started off in insurance, but then morphed into kind of banking and financial software sectors. So, at one point in the late 80s, I was in the US for a couple of years. And then coming back to Ireland, I started working as a contractor for IBM. Yeah. So after a stint there, I moved into a sales role with that software company that had contracted me there. And in 2000, we, uh, myself and a number of colleagues, founded Innovation. So our focus initially was the banking sector. That's what we knew best. Um, so we worked with the major banks in Ireland doing software development, custom development uh, projects and so on, and project management for them. Uh, but just you know, as, as, in parallel to that, we started looking at e-learning because it was an area that we'd become interested in and the hospital, the Dublin Dental Hospital, asked, asked us to look at it for them uh, because it was something they were interested in. So uh, we started looking at it in a small way, but following the banking recession in 2007 and 10, uh, there was a natural progression for us. We, we didn't have much going on in banking, yeah. so e-learning looked very attractive to us. Yeah. Um, and really in 2014 onwards, that became the sole function of the business. And May, what about your background? Oh, yeah, for me, well, I'm now an academic, but in the past I've worked uh, in the places like the Chief Technology Office for Victorian Government, and I tend to find my, and robotics and automation as well, so I tend to find myself in technology-focused organizations, and now I teach technology management and commercialization programs, including things like um, remote work, future work, and uh, digital transformation, things like that, so, yeah. You, you, you both got uh, very backgrounds that help uh, with this project. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah, so Gary, yeah, I've, sorry, go ahead, sorry, Maeve, go ahead. No, go ahead. I've, I've actually worked with Innovation in the past through um, an, um, Atlantic University Alliance in the west of Ireland. Yeah. So, yeah. so Gary, tell me a bit, what does an Innovation actually do? Well, today Innovation is one of the largest e-learning and talent management so offer solutions providers in Ireland. And we have offices in France, Poland, and recently we've started uh, working in the US. So we have um, an office, well, really more individuals based in the US than working out at home. Um, we, we partner with, with open source products. So uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term, but it's free software essentially, yeah. our software that's free to download, but covered by a different license. The main products we work with are Moodle and Tutara. Yeah. Um, which are very, you know, Moodle itself is one of the biggest LMS products in the world used by the UN, World Bank, and yeah. US military, and a huge amount of organizations around the world. So we're one of the largest partners for those uh, two products. Um, our, our focus is really provision of, you know, because the software themselves are licensed or, but are free, our provision is our focus is on the provision of, of consulting and implementation and support services around these products. So we have more than 300 customers who we, we work with around the world. Um, but, you know, our technical background is extremely important to us. Uh, we have a very strong team of developers involved in these client projects. So we do a lot of development, not just rolling out vanilla product, but a lot of customization and integration and so on. Um, and we also um, 
you know, manage the projects. We have ISO 27001. So a focus for us is going to be on the security, keeping data secure. And that's a big calling card for us among the organizations we work. So it's not really just third level, it's corporates. We have a lot of good corporate clients around the world. In France, we tend to work with large you know, government organizations and large universities. But elsewhere, like the States, it's more corporate. In Ireland, it's a mix of both. And in Africa, we work with some universities there as well. So we're quite a diverse organization, but strongly focused on e-learning, and as I say, talent management, which is an area that we are working with and have funding from EI, um, Enterprise Ireland, uh, for research and development in that area. And I guess because you're working with open source software, it's easier to find mm-hmm. solutions online because uh, everyone's using it. Absolutely. You know, there's so many, um, you know, with, with, with the, the likes of Moodle, for, for, for instance, there's so many different plugins, community plugins developed that you can really extend the product into virtually any area you can think of. So Moodle is has become quite pervasive for that reason. It's so successful. Well, Moodle reminds me of WordPress. So many plugins and it's used everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not all plugins are good plugins. No, I do agree. Yeah. Bad quality, so. Yeah. so you need somebody to be able to patch to make sure it's kept secure and to kind of make sure, you know steer you away from the bad ones essentially. So. You know, there's there's a mixed bag there, but but certainly uh, there's a lot of good ones. As yeah, well. the, we we manage actually on behalf of Microsoft. We manage all the um, Office three six five plugins that yeah. work with Moodle. So that means you know the the single sign on and working with MS Teams and so on. So yeah, there's quite a large number of of uh, the big community and a large number of plugins. So you deal with the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah, no, no, but you can say because <laughs> okay. there's certain plugins you get that you know. You have to use, but don't want to use because there's nothing else out there, and you can be very careful and monitor and make sure that nothing goes wrong. Oh, absolutely, and especially with GDPR and all our, our kind of uh, responsibilities in terms of personal data, you really have to be careful what you put out there. Um, no, we're managing. I don't know. You could say millions, I suppose, of, of user details throughout all our systems, and you know our reputation stands on, on us being able to keep it secure as much as possible. So you have to be very careful what plugins you, you put up there. Yeah, I, friend. I couldn't, I couldn't yes. agree more. It's, it was one of the big swing factors, not swing factors, but one of the big factors that made our implementation successful was the focus on security because there's many free tools available for e-learning anywhere. But it's the security of people's data, particularly working with large organizations that just made it work for us, uh, yeah. especially with remote working and the focus that is on cybersecurity and, and data privacy. So, yeah. And what got, what got you guys together? as in TU Dublin and also innovation? Well, you know, I could say a bit of this and then Ray will jump in there. We've been working with TU Dublin um, for many years. Now, the parts that we work with are the Tala and Blanchestown campuses. Um, and we've done work with, with Dublin um, in the past. We've run the e-portfolio. So we're, we're very well known to TU Dublin. Yeah. Um, but our, you know, what brought us together in this instance was... Um, uh, well, Maeve, do you want to say how you perhaps recommended us or worked with Maria and HSE? Yeah, well, I mean, it's an interesting story uh, for Ireland as well, because um, I guess at the time, everyone was looking to see what they could do for a COVID-19 response. So because I knew innovation in the past, 
uh, over a conversation with the HSE, you were like, who could actually do this? And it's down to those plugins, functionalities, security infrastructure that innovation would have. And literally the only Irish company I could I could recommend would would have been um, Gary and Innovation because I know uh, the, the quality of, of infrastructure technically and uh, security-wise that they do and the quality of e-learning that they provide. So it may have, um, may have implicated him a little bit but then over to Gary, I mean, he was really, it was it was very heartwarming stuff because they really saw the benefit of the project. So uh, I'll let Gary take over on that one. Yeah, well, we, you know, essentially I got a call from Maria O'Loughlin of the HSE out of the blue and she laid out the needs for this program and mentioned that they've been working with TU Dublin on it and uh, that Maeve had recommended talking to us. So, and, and she didn't beat around the bush. She said, there's no money here. <laughs> this is, you know, she's looking for a little bit of uh, a dig out to get this up and running and... You know, we're all looking for ways to help, given the crisis that we were all experiencing. So, so it was something they was happy to grab. Essentially, that it was an opportunity presented to us. Obviously, we were hoping we'd get some PR out of it, but in the end of the day, the most important thing was that we were able to help and and um, do our little bit. There isn't much any learning company can do other than provide a platform. Yeah. We couldn't go and making PPE or anything like that. You know, so so it was a great opportunity for us. So we were delighted, and then. You know, we were introduced to Maeve by Maria, and we all got together very quickly as a group um, to help to help work this out, essentially. Yeah, it's an interesting way to look at the issue, because as you say, Gary, like we can't make PPE. Yeah. We're looking at remote work, because just to put it in numbers, Maria's department alone has about 10,000 uh, staff. And then the, the HSE is the largest, largest organization in the country, and our, our project, our little project, <laughs> which was, as Gary says, is pro bono, completely... Uh, voluntary project it's touched all aspects of the health sector from then on so it's big stuff you know we we i don't know if we kind of knew how vast it would be but it's been pretty successful so i have to say ronan that you know our role you know at the start we were busy we had to spin up moodle in a kind of a secure and scalable way to deal with the expected numbers of users so at the start we were very busy getting it going um but largely the work was on TU Dublin after that yeah. to make sure the program was a success. Yeah, and I guess for TU Dublin, it was basically how easy was it to develop the, the program itself? Yeah, so, I mean, look, look, I, I've been involved in e-learning for about a decade now in various different guises. So I've had, I've been teaching on Skype to Singapore for three days. I've had someone on a boat in the Pacific. So you, you, you're kind of used to, dealing with whatever technology suits. I mean, I was so lucky to have innovation. The technical infrastructure is amazing and never gave us a day's bother. It was fantastic to work with. Um, we got great guidance from uh, Debbie Sudello there in innovation as well in terms of uh, what would work and what wouldn't on a scalability platform. But for TU Dublin, I have to say, this is unprecedented for TU Dublin uh, in terms of the scope and scale of what we've done. A program like this uh, was turned, it is it is a university CPD certificate in remote work. It didn't yeah. exist before the 1st or 2nd of April. It was very rapidly developed with agile methodology for content technology and for the people and processes involved. Um, the technical infrastructure, again, it just made it a real joy to be able to deploy and know that it worked and not have that concern. Um, 
we did a test program with the HSC, which worked out great and sort of shaped things from a content perspective. But the degree of difficulty was huge, and I don't want to underestimate the work that we've put into that um, that process. Normally, in a university, it would take months, if not years, to get a program up and running like this and accredited. Yeah. So the accreditation introduces another layer of uh, requirements, I suppose, from different organizations that we need to technically then deploy and uh, this was done in a matter of days and weeks uh, so it was huge it was really big from the TU Dublin perspective and it's gained a lot of uh, traction I think for the team involved and particularly showcased the capabilities uh, that we can achieve in a short time frame. You know, in a former life I used to work in a small business college and we had to get a accreditation done and that took us ages and then on top of that we also started doing stuff, we we started using Moodle. This is about 10, 11 years ago. We used Moodle to have our students so they could actually uh, get the notes from, from class and all that. And that wasn't easy to do. So I know what you guys have done is phenomenal. Yeah. Like the, the choice of tools, and as you say, you're going back to what you said earlier, Ronan, about the, cho the choice of tools that you can use with Moodle. It's vast. And it was more than I knew about as well. So yeah. like Gary and Debbie really clued me up in the types of, of technologies uh, that are available right now. And I mean, the things that we were able to do in terms of uh, that bridge between the technology, between the learners and between the requirements of all the organizations um, within that technical framework was just amazing. And it's, it's something that we're blown away by, uh, I mean, for me on a daily basis. It, and I'll put that into even more context again in terms of both technology and learners. The normal class size in TU Dublin for a program like this would be between 15 and 50 learners. And yeah. we had over 2,000 in there and they're quite happy and they're really happy <laughs> because yes. they told us that you know 98% of them um, found it um, engaging and over 90% learned uh, quite a bit from the program as well so the statistics are, are blown us away we must have done something right Gary Absolutely. And just from a technical perspective, Ronan, I'm not sure it might be of interest, but the, the, the tools we were using within Moodle was something called H5P, which is a free set of plugins that allow um, lecturers and, and teachers and so on, like Maeve, to be able to construct engaging content. In other words, layer on engagements over pre-existing videos or PowerPoints, and it really makes the experience much better for users. And previously, before H5P, you'd have to use, you know, external tools like Articulate Storyline and so on, which aren't inexpensive. Yeah. And, and now having it all, this authoring within Moodle, is a bit of a game changer. A lot of universities that use Moodle are using this extensively now. And it's not something that's found in a lot of other products. So it really is, it's kind of a hidden gem, if you like, uh, within the product. It's an amazing thing to use. It really was a game changer. And the more people that I speak to about the particular deployment that we had in terms of interactivity and in terms of the tone that we were trying to strike, we really created engagement at scale in a way that wasn't previously possible in any of the e-learning deployments I've ever used. And that was definitely down to the, the H5P plugin. And we got that tip off from, uh, from Debbie and Gary very much so. And it works because 11 years ago when I was using Moodle on my last job, that wasn't available then. And what you can do now, we couldn't do then. So if you were to do this 10, 11 years ago, you wouldn't be able to do it as quickly as you can now. No, you couldn't. No. You'd be much more limited. No. Yeah. 
absolutely not. I mean, it, it, the other thing is the integration of different elements from an e-learner perspective. Any kind of learning designer would know that you have to sort of pull these different things together. And what we were able to do with H5P is to put something that, you know, we, we served these from YouTube. There were videos that were unlisted on YouTube into the Moodle environment with a H5P interactivity layer over them. And they were they just people love them they really really love them they relate to them and they really integrated them quite well and we were able to do um not just interactive videos but also interactive toolkits that would teach people different types of skills so for example uh, ergonomics is really important part of work generally yeah. but when people were sent home they had no nothing to go from so we were able to work with a number of different h5p uh, tools to work up scenario based learning and provide interactive tips and tricks and uh, ergonomics planning in the home so that's one of the big things that it gave to us um, plus the way that we were able to introduce uh, things like really, really important themes like cybersecurity and GDPR themes into it. We were able to do that in a way that integrated with our video content using H5P. And it was quite remarkable. Like it really was for me designing it and, 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 and deploying it in the technical environment. It was quite remarkable to see it come together and fantastic to see the test feedback, but even better to see these hundreds and hundreds of people come back and say, yeah, we got it, we, we did it. And it, it really uh, focuses the, the learning from an e-learning perspective. You're talking about something that would normally take a few hours. You, you're really uh, distilling that down. Yeah, because I can remember years ago when you were doing a website, you, you, you used to do HTML5. Now you can do it via WordPress or Wix in minutes. So Moodle is doing the exact same thing. You can do it in minutes, not hours. Yep. That's yep. so true. And remembering that, of course, our primary, one of our primary concerns and one of our user requirements, of course, was the accreditation standard. So we always have to make sure that we have that uh, validation of learning points. And that's another thing that H5P was able to give us. It wouldn't have been possible on a, an open website, but it was possible in the, the, within the safe and secure Moodle environment that innovation uh, allowed us to use. Yeah. And I guess also with the plugins available, you can you can easily pick and choose what suits you best. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's absolutely right. And uh, we we learned what worked for us very very quickly. But also, I think we kind of made a magic formula too. I think there's something about us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because remember years ago, I had to use JavaScript plugins, and I was years ago doing web stuff, and that was a pain in the ass, making sure it worked, and making sure will it will it work with all browsers, etc. Nowadays, that's not a problem because uh, Moodle works with anything. Yeah, the problem now is a lot of content out there, just uh, quite aside from the project we're working on now, but a lot of Flash-based content out there, and um, browsers are going to stop supporting that if they haven't already. Yeah. So that's a headache for a lot of uh, learning providers at the moment. Yeah. Well, H well, whereas with something like H5P, it's HTML5, so there's going to yeah. be no issues with it. Yeah, the other aspect was the, the range of devices that people could use with Moodle and H5P, obviously, you know, because it's all mobile ready. So tablets and mobiles, you know, even if someone was kind of on their own, uh, most people have their smartphone and this was, was uh, ultimately they could pick up their smartphone and engage in this program. So we knew that from the outset. And although many people did use laptops, there were a number of people who also use mobile and tablet infrastructure as well. And that was another huge benefit to be able to offer a 
learners who could be uh, working in, let's say, rural areas or remote areas where the broadband might be dodgy and, and their data connection was fine on their mobile. So, for example, we, we reached a, a good few people because of that too. Remember when I was back in college about 10 years ago doing a postgraduate diploma in collect computing, I remember that at times I would use my iPod Touch rather than my, than my laptop to go into Moodle because turning the laptop on and, and, and getting it set up took a couple minutes, whereas with my uh, iPod Touch, it was there, I could log in and do all that. And it, it's like now with smartphone, you can do all that, you don't have to go and spend time turning laptop on when you don't have to. Absolutely. But also, Moodle itself, for a long time now, has had native apps available for iOS and, and Android, yeah. which allow you to actually work offline now. So once you can download the content, work on it offline, that includes taking assessments and quizzes and so on, and then when you get back into the into the network, your grades are uploaded. So it's it's um, which is very important in low bandwidth countries or you know Africa, for instance, where this is a, a again a bit of a game changer. I just know when I was doing my course, I, I just got I, I got an, an iPhone 4s, and at the time I was out with a friend of mine at an event, and during daytime we were going to get our exam results, and I could yeah, exactly. log in and Moodle and see yeah this is this is the results this is what we did, we did do which is great. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. The things we can do, it was like, it was really, you know, it was so... Uh, it, it, it was it was a joy to deploy it on on the, the the Moodle infrastructure, especially with the the amount of flexibility that you have with that that uh, that, uh, that platform. You know, getting back to the HSC, has it had much uptake on on this product on the course? Yeah, I, I think I let Maeve talk on this, but but I think basically we are all blown away by the response. Isn't that right, yeah. Maeve? blown away would be yeah the understatement of the year actually we we'd expected a modest uptake and really we were, were a modest project to start out with we were thinking we we'd reach a few hundred people and we'd be delighted and um the first day uh the first day there was 800 registrations and there were self uh, self registrations through uh the, the innovation platform and we just stood back and went really on on the first day and there was no you know technically there was no problem everyone just yeah. kind of went in and did the thing and there was it was really hitch free maybe one or two out of that came back but there were weren't technical issues um but the hse had also sent this around to what we call section 39 agencies now those aren't strictly speaking the hse so they involve people like tusla but also a lot of charities like the Brothers of Charity, Stewart's Care for Intellectual Disabilities. Uh, uh, we also extended the invitation to mental health uh, organisations like Jigsaw and Spun Out for Youth Mental Health. And we were joined by uh, the lovely people from the Make-A-Wish Foundation as well, uh, you know, to enable them to work from home. So what we quickly realised was this is huge. People are really struggling with the content that obviously was on remote working at a time that was relevant for them, but also being able to connect. And uh, we just couldn't believe it. So in the first two weeks, we had more than 1,500 registrations. And then we picked up another uh, seven or 800 after that again. Um, there certainly is an ongoing demand as well. But yeah, blown away would be the word for us. It, it, it's, it's been huge. And I guess... Um well, the program isn't due to finish till the end of next week. You know, the expectation is that some 1,500 of the, the people who enrolled will have completed, largely completed the course, which is basically what you want for them to access the, the, the activities, access the content, and to take learnings from it. 
And of that 1,500, we expect that some 1,000 of them will go on to actually achieve the formal certification grade um, from TU Dublin. So, so that's a phenomenal uh, achievement, really, when you think about it. Um, you know, and it's and you know, in fairness now to Maeve and her team of Rowena and uh, and there were some three interns as well, weren't there? Maeve, Jamie, That's Natasha, right? Victoria. Yeah, yeah. So now, myself, all of these people put in a huge amount of work to make because people need to be engaged with it and they need to be encouraged to finish a program, especially those who may not be familiar with platforms like e-learning and and even you know may not be as digi- digitally literate as as others might be. Um, so the encouragement they got from that team was excellent and really contributed to the to the, the strong um, completion levels that we've experienced. Ron, you might know that in MOOCs generally, completions and so on are a very low percentage of people who start yeah. a MOOC and want to complete, and even a tinier percentage might even pay for a certificate. So the numbers we're talking about are, are quite extraordinary, really. And also because you're basically doing it from home, you can do it any time you want. You know, you're not got to do it within a time frame of like... Between three and four, you're in class. You can do whenever you have free time. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's one of the choices that we made at the start was to make this what we call in in universities we call it self directed uh, learning. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the time, the timing, and temporality of the module was a choice that we knew that people would be able to dip in and out of of this and do things. And there were certain elements that they did were mandatory because we're we're ultimately assessing them. Uh, but that was something that was was really doable yeah. uh, with the plugins that we used and the technology that we used. Um, you know, in terms of just what, to take up what Gary was saying, it, it, it's a traditional thing that e-learning has a really, really low rate of completion. I'm surprised at the the heights of what we've achieved with that, but it yeah. was very active learner management with um, with a, a, a big team to be able to do that. And uh, as I said, magic formula did definitely work. I think it has been so successful that the HSE now are looking at other um, options for providing upskilling and training in, in digital list, literacy, this whole area, um, to their staff cohorts. So I know um, to ourselves and TU Dublin, they've been introduced to other, um, I suppose, uh, organizations that provide this kind of training. So, so it's good to see that we're probably starting a journey for a lot of these people. It's not the end of it, if you like. Yeah, very much so. I mean, when you think about it sectorally, we would have uh, had about oh, well over 150 um, organizations, departments um, involved in the course. And there was a huge impact factor across the sector. Uh, so they're very much opened the door and our learners are very uh, happy to share their experiences with us. And one of those things was like, yeah, we want more of this. So I guess you can take this that HSC is going to, have more working as part of the permanent day of life now? Well, I guess it's hard for us to speak for the HSE, but if you look across across Ireland and the world, yeah. uh, it's hard to see anything else happening in the next, certainly six months to a year. Um, you know, I can speak for ourselves. We don't know how things are going to look a year from now, but we, we, we probably, we're fairly certain we're not going to go back to full-time office work. Um, as an IT company, I suppose we lend ourselves to that a bit more than others. But I know, talking to local authorities and people like that, other organisations we work with, you know, this is not going to stop overnight. Um, those that can work from home will continue to do so, at least on a part-time basis. It'll become more than normal. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. But 
even in terms of the statistics that we found on in in our cohort and that we were working with with our fabulous learners, we found around four percent of those had they reported that they had extensive experience working from home. Um, about thirty ish were middling. They they would work from home occasionally if they were had a reason to do so, but more than sixty five percent had no experience whatsoever of working from home and they did report um, that they wanted to do that, that they wanted to remain. So we would have that feedback from from people's emails and from uh, interactions that we'd had over the few months that they definitely want this, uh, that it won't go back to the way it was and uh, that this is, a, as you say, a permanent change for most organisations. And I'm thinking that if you're somebody who has children, it means you don't have to spend money in childminding, etc. If the kids are around you when you're working, to a certain extent, they're in another room, but you know that they're near, nearby. Depends. I can't speak for that. My kids are of an age, but I mean, if their yeah. kids are young enough, there could be a distraction. So I think it is important that if you can, you'd probably still use childcare. Yeah. Because it, you know, I know from talking to my own staff that you know people are finding it difficult, especially if they're living in small apartments or, or whatever, and have young kids. It's not easy to work from home in those circumstances. Yeah. So. You know, it's not going to work for everyone, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's a very personal thing for me. Um, I've got four under 13, and uh, I have to tell you, if schools aren't back, <laughs> there's going to be <laughs> a lot of trouble uh, in September. But um, uh, it, it's it's difficult to balance everything. Yeah. Uh, and we knew this, I mean, with remote work, it's one of the things that many other programs don't deal with. And it was one of the things that we were able to deal with quite well in our contents, in our approach one of the things we did was include uh, a lot on well-being, health and safety. And, and those kind of things like balancing your multiple roles within your home was something that's important for a lot of different aspects, uh, people, but also the technology that you use and how you how comfortable you are working from home. But I would suggest that's probably one. It's different for everybody. We found a mixed bag with that. Yeah, about a month ago, I, I, I learned about Zoom fatigue. I didn't know it existed. And I had an interview with a girl Oh, uh, who do do? Does Mike Wilson also change people how to manage Zoom fatigue? And it's now become a big thing because a lot of people are using Zoom a lot more as, as we're doing right now, a lot more than before. Yeah, no, it's true. You know, I spend a lot of my day on not just Zoom. We use a whole lot of different platforms, but just the same thing: video conferencing, and it it is tiring. Yeah, it's it's difficult for us psychologically because we're used to our context and no matter how much you try to replace that virtually with zoom we're still working harder we have a mental burden in terms of assessing uh, the communications interactions that we have so it's a very interesting area and it will be uh will be uh, definitely something that 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 will be studied more in depth about technology mediated communication in in future i'd say because at times on a podcast i try and do if you can do via facetime audio because by doing facetime it's it's a it's a tool that you, you normally don't think of as work-based so you're more relaxed and less stressful and your brain doesn't think oh here we go again i'm using zoom again i'm another work thing so when i do that the people i'm interviewing they get more relaxed and they can talk for longer and they don't really feel any stress about it it's great yeah 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 i think myself and Maeve are quite used to doing these things now yeah um, <laughs> that's the reality of it 
Yeah, that's it. But I mean, some of the days there's so many more meetings online and some days you'd just be pinging from one to another. Normally we would actually, if we were in our offices, we would stand up and walk from at least one room to another or from one context to another. And uh, right now we're in the same context. So it can be actually really, really difficult to do that if you're doing it every day over time. I think a long term is if you're using Zoom a lot to try and change your background, make it look more, more exotic, like you're in a beach in Hawaii somewhere else, that will make it more interesting. It's not a bad plan. In fact, we had toy. We're, we're doing a virtual graduation for these uh, people, and we toyed with having virtual caps and gowns as well for yeah. Zoom. But <laughs> like, yeah. Anything else about the podcast? Well, I, you know, not not talking about the HSE specifically, but just in general, like our experience over the last few months. You know, it's an exceptional period, and I guess being in e-learning. Um, we found ourselves a little bit in, you know, in an area where we're facing unprecedented, unprecedented demand for our services, yeah. essentially. Okay? Not just new business now, because new business is always hard to win, and especially now, but among our existing clients, like organizations that typically would have had you know, concurrent usage in their platforms of less than 100 users, uh, we're now talking just about scaling to thousands of concurrent users. So it was, it was very challenging. Now, we have an excellent uh, technical team and we have built out large-scale solutions before, so we were able to meet the demand. But certainly it has been uh, an eye-opening period for us, you know. And the other note is, and I was saying um, to others, that we work with clients around the world, so it's become a bit of a leveler. You know, I'm on calls with people in South Africa or Switzerland or, or the US and everybody's working from home. So we're all, you get the feeling that we're all in this together kind of thing, you know what I mean? That there is this, you know, global kind of problem that we're all trying to solve. So... No, in a kind of in that, in that sort of way, you, you, you kind of feel less isolated. And of course, it's always interesting to see inside the homes of everybody. <laughs> That's right. I, I think you've struck on a really good point um, from from a technology perspective, and it's certainly something that didn't go beyond any of us in in the program that we've just done it's actually the way that we use technology to forge connections between people yeah. that's been increased over the last few months and ultimately it was a very human experience for our learners in this program but it is as we find when you take the approach of many well-established remote workers which is a very accepting uh, let's take find, take each other and find each other where we're at sort of approach and that was new for people who were used to traditional office-based environments and I think it's something that that culture spread quite well in in remote working because uh, everyone will remember that uh, BBC news broadcast where the two little kids came in and yeah. uh, mother was horrified and everybody was horrified and it was a big deal at the time and what I think we've all learned is that we all have lives and our work and home lives are in the one space right now and that in itself is really really hard to get used to and hard to accept for many people who've been used to keeping their work identity in a different place so there's a collision of space and and I think that's one of the really nice things that we can accept everyone as having um you know a life outside and within our workspace uh, and it's one of the really good things that we find on a global basis but that's very much fostered by the technology that we use tiring as it is to use zoom (laughs) but i think the other thing that we've definitely proven is in terms of uh, scale uh, certainly game changer for accredited learning in terms of the scale of what we've we've achieved uh from a tu dublin perspective it would be um we we've 30,000 students, you know, scale is nothing new to us, one of the biggest in the country. But in terms of reach 
an impact across the sector. I think uh, this has been quite big and the, the approach that we've taken and the toolkit that we've used very much in demand uh, by people still. And, and although we're finishing up our pro bono project, we are very much aware of, of how we can help people going into the future. Well, I'm thinking of the joke of the mum going around that if this was a movie, it'd be written by Stephen King, directed by Quentin Tarantino. That's what it's like. We don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we teach innovation. There's a list of sources of sources of innovation that we, we regularly stand up and say, these are your sources of innovation. And one of them is always the unthinkable. And I think we're, we were well and truly in the unthinkable area when we started out in this, but but very much kind of find a blend that worked in terms of people and technology. Yeah, I'm thinking of the movie Lawnmower Man, which is written based on the book by Stephen King. Yeah, that's back in the early 90s. And well, that kind of scenario, you're thinking that could happen now, anything's possible. Anything is possible, that's it. Yeah. That's so true. Anyway, thanks very much for that enlightening chat, Gary Maeve, and uh, have a great day and talk to you guys soon. And good luck with the course. Yeah, thanks, Ronan. Good to talk to you. Take care. You bye. Too, take bye. care. Thanks. Thank you, Ronan. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks a million. Thanks, bye. See you, guys.